A great opportunity squandered? Absolutely. A crushing blow? Yes. Will I get over it? Mm. No. But life goes on. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil is a writer for thesportsdaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers because we're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. We'll be guiding you through the offseason from free agency to the draft and all the way to OTAs, we got you covered. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer for you on the show, hit us up on Twitter at JJ Leahy or at Gil Packers, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. For those of you who are not on Twitter, well, here we are. You probably heard the news. The Packers are not, in fact, going to the Super Bowl. It's very sad. <laughs> Uh, but we're not going to go through a breakdown of what happened because, number one, you saw the game. Number two, you probably have already heard other people talk it to death all week. I'm going to give a shout-out to uh, one of our sister podcasts on PackersTalk.com. That would be Lemps Talkin' Pack. Chris, Chris Lempsis does a phenomenal job just, uh, man, listening to his podcast, his angry um, rants <laughs> after a, a nasty game like that. It's just it's cathartic, and it helps me with my uh, recovery process. Gil, here we are. Another year, another 13-3 season, another heartbreaking NFC Championship loss. But, you know, the offseason is fun, too. We got a lot of cool stuff we're going to start covering. Um, this week, we are going to touch on the coaching staff for the Packers. We wanted to get out ahead of any firings that were going to come up. And, you know, this is a Friday show, and one coach was fired uh, prior to Friday. So that would be uh, special teams coordinator Sean Menenga. There was much rejoicing here at No Huddle. <laughs> so, uh, Gil, how are you feeling about this offseason? Well, th- this is not going to be an easy offseason. And uh, you look at the cap situation, the number of uh, potential free agents that are uh, possibly going to be leaving Green Bay. And, uh, you know, we talked, you mentioned the coaching changes, and uh, I'm sure this is the first of, of a few more to come. And it is going to be a challenge for this team to keep the nucleus together and to recreate uh, or or build off the magic that was this 2020 Packers team. Well, let's not lose sight of the fact that this really was just an incredibly special season. I remember a year ago looking at the season we had just had, and if you remember, we had a very, very good but inconsistent um, defense and an offense that you could just see some flashes every once in a while that you knew they were about to be special, but really our offense struggled for most of 2019. And one of the questions that I kept turning over in my mind was, man, looking back at what Aaron Rodgers used to be when he was younger and, and just how on fire he was, man, what I would give to have one more season of that. And Oh my gosh, we got it. Uh, last week, uh, Gil, you and I debated 
what was the best season ever for Aaron Rodgers? Was it 2011 or was it 2020? And by the time the poll closed at the end of the week, 75% of people said that 2020 was his best year ever. Yep. Never would have seen that come in at the beginning of the season. So very thankful. And there's a lot of really crazy NFL news out there this week. Uh, Deshaun Watson has officially requested a trade from the Houston Texans. Where do you think he's going to land? You know, that is a, a darn good question. Uh, I could see, you know, a couple of teams that immediately pop into my mind. Uh, Indianapolis desperately needs uh, a quarterback now, uh, and they're not picking very high in the draft. And then Detroit, if Matthew Stafford wants out. Oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Please. Uh, I, I'm, but, yeah, okay, that assumes the Lions can do something right, but... Uh, and, and what would it cost them is the other question, but I, I could see those two spots. That's, those are the first two that popped into my mind right away. I don't see Indy happening at all. Don't forget they're, they're division rivals. I mean, if, if Rogers demanded a trade from the Packers, is there any chance in the world that we would send him to Minnesota? Uh, well, you remember what happened with Brett Favre and how desperately we tried to keep him away from Minnesota, (laughs) only to have him uh, leave the Jets after that one year. But yeah, no, yes. I, I don't think they would voluntarily do that. Uh, you know, and and are the Bears a possibility also, if you think about it? I mean... I heard they're going to try. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what assets in the world they could possibly offer to Houston to make it happen. But I've, I've heard... I mean, here's the thing. Deshaun has to sign off as well, because he has that no trade clause. So in order to have a trade happen. He's got to sign off on the team he goes to. I mean, what do the Bears have? You look at just that pathetic offense, you know, and a lot of that, yes, it's been Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles, but, I mean, they got Allen Robinson and nothing. I mean, people talk about the Packers having Devontae and nothing, but uh, that's so much more true about the Bears, and Allen Robinson is not Devontae either. No, no, Allen Robinson is, look, nobody right now really is Devontae. But, uh, yeah, at the same time, though, that defense is something that, well, it's not what it was a couple of years ago, but it it is something that could entice a quarterback because, you know, one thing about Houston, uh, he had to put up a lot of points because they were going to give up points. And maybe going to Chicago, if he says, hey, if I can get 24 points scored every week, we'll go 10 and 6 with that defense. Maybe that's a bit of an enticement for him to waive the no trade clause. I think Arizona has to insert themselves in the conversation. I mean, if I'm Arizona, I'm going to offer a one for one Kyler Murray for Deshaun Watson trade straight up. Uh, That would be highway robbery if the Houston Texans accepted it. But I mean, even if you had to throw in a second and a fourth or I mean, maybe even a first round pick, that's so worth it. And then, you know, it's not the worst deal in the world for the Texans either because Kyler Murray is not without talent and he's still on his rookie deal. I think uh, this is probably one of the ones that uh, Deshaun would really be excited about um, the possibility of it because he'd be reunited with DeAndre Hopkins. There's a lot of of um, offensive weapons for him to throw the ball to there in Arizona, and it's an exciting offensive scheme. I don't personally believe a lot in what cliff kingsbury is doing down there but i mean for a quarterback that would be just such an exciting offense to be a part of i think that there's a lot of appeal there and uh i think that the 
Arizona Cardinals would be very foolish not to at least try and make it happen. Uh, and, and and the Dolphins are, are a team that I think are going to heavily insert themselves as well. I could really easily see them saying, hey, listen, Houston, you know that <laughs> number three overall first round pick that that we took from you? You can have it back right. for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Interesting, uh, interesting proposition. Look, it's going to be a little bit of a quarterback carousel, I think, this offseason. But I'm I'm confident about one thing, and we've seen so much talk about it in the media, and it just really frustrates me to no end. Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere. Well, here's the here's the insane thing is that after he went on Pat McAfee and clarified and said, Look, I'm not going anywhere. The media still, including like some of the seemingly more serious members of the media, they refuse to give up on it. Oh, it's frustrating, but we have seen this every single year. Every year, for the last several years, we get this constant drama from the media all year long about Aaron Rodgers and his relationship with the Packers. Usually it is based on absolutely nothing. It doesn't matter what Rodgers says. It doesn't matter what the team says. The media is going to keep running with it. Mark Murphy himself came out and said, there's no way Aaron Rodgers won't be playing with the Packers. Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee and said, I can't think of any reason why I wouldn't be with them. Matt LaFleur said, hell yeah, he better be back. He's the leader of our team. To all of your Lions and Bears and Vikings fan friends out there who have been chirping at you the last couple days, as they have been to me, just tell them to shove it. So we're going to take a look at everything that has to change over the next few months here because... The draft is coming up. Free agency is coming up. There's some big decisions to be made with our unrestricted free agents. And we're going to start by looking at the coaches. So Sean Menenga, special teams coordinator, has been fired. The Packers have already figured out who is going to replace him. That would be the longtime assistant special teams coach, Maurice Drayton. Apparently, according to Tom Silverstein, the Packers moved so quickly on this because there were other teams that were requesting to bring Marie Straten in for interviews themselves. And the Packers are like, okay, Matt LaFleur has said that he is never going to stand in the way of any of his um, coaching staff getting a better job elsewhere. So he was not going to block uh, Maurice Drayton, especially since he was already intending on probably hiring him anyways. I tweeted out a poll this week and, and shared it on Facebook. And we got a lot of, responses this we're asking for folks to rate Packers coaches uh we got quite a few responses I really appreciate that and I wanted to get a sense of people's feelings on these coaches uh Gil on the offense we had exactly zero coaches at any level who received any worse than a average rating by uh, participants. Every, most everybody was at a four or a five on a scale of one to five. We had a couple guys that had three and uh, nobody got a, a one or a two on offense. So that's, that's a good sign. And then you flip it around and you look at defense, <laughs> <laughs> defense and special teams. Take a guess here. Which one coach do you think received the worst overall grade of anybody? Just, just one. Now we're not including Sean Menanga, who's now no longer with the team. No, we're including him. Oh, we're including him. I, I think it would still have to be, based on the passions of the fans and the way they react, it's got to be Mike Pettin. Actually, Sean Menenga got 90% of people voted one star for Sean Menenga, the wow. lowest possible. And then he had 8% eight, 8 of people voted 
two stars. Mm-hmm. Zero three stars. So he had a ninety-two percent of people voted uh, one star for Sean Manenga. Mike Pettin was the next lowest grade. Just about everybody gave him two stars. He actually had hardly any one stars, but almost everyone gave him a two star. He had fifty-five percent two star, twenty-eight percent three star. There were a few people who who gave him a four or five, but for the most part, another very unliked um, coach. So we are going to talk a bit about Pettin and whether or not the Packers are going to bring him back. But I do want to go through all these coaches here and and let's you and I talk about the state of each of these uh, position position groups uh, from a coaching standpoint. All right. So Matt LaFleur is a head coach. Matt LaFleur, 26 and six in two years, two appearances in the NFC championship game. He's the play caller for the number one scoring offense in the NFL He's coming back, and I think he's uh, hoping to build on his early success. I think this is far and away he's out uh, um, exceeded our expectations for what we get in in the first two years. Very, uh, very pleased uh, with how he's done. I, I think that his play calling in a, a few of the games this year, most notably the NFC Championship game, was a little bit lacking. I would like to see him take a step and continue to grow in that category. But, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of head coaches out there this year. Uh, Matt Nagy is one. Doug Peterson is another who had to turn over offensive play calling to um, their offensive coordinator. I, I don't think that's even a thought in anyone's mind. No, I don't, I don't either. But, and look, did he have a great game calling plays in the NFC championship game this year? No, but uh to me, the biggest thing that he's got to face is psychologically getting over that NFC championship game hump, so to speak. Nathaniel Hackett, offensive coordinator. I think the biggest question with him is just how long are we going to have him? Because although he did not, um, he, he had one interview this year to be head coach that was uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. Got to imagine that unless the offense just falls apart in 2021, which I don't see happening, I, I just don't see him around here for much longer. So, a big question, I think, uh, for Matt LaFleur is going to be uh, training up a new offensive coordinator behind Hackett. I don't think he's going to go with an outside hire because that just has not been his M.O. I mean, you look at uh, we, so far, we've only had two coaches ever fired by LaFleur and, and replaced. The first would be uh, Alvis Witted, wide receiver coach last year, got fired and right. was replaced by Jason Vrabel, the assistant wide receiver coach. And then this year, the assistant special teams coach, um, Maurice Drayton, got uh, the job when Sean Menega got kicked. So be interesting to see. I, I think Luke Getze, the quarterback coach and passing game coordinator, probably is going to be the number one candidate um, to replace Hackett if he does, in fact, get a head coaching job elsewhere. Um, Luke Getze, another dude that I'm, I'm actually really excited about. Um, I have really liked the growth that we've seen from um, – Jordan Love, uh, certainly from Tim Boyle. He's Tim Boyle took a massive leap this past offseason. Any any anybody who saw um, them practicing at all, I mean, Tim Boyle just wowed everybody. And and Aaron Rodgers too, uh, about to cash in on his his third MVP. Yeah, and and no question that the coaching staff helps with that. the The only bone I have to pick with that analysis, yeah, everybody said it, uh, but. Without preseason games, and uh, how many passes did Tim Boyle complete this year? 
uh, <laughs> maybe one, but I think I think I think mostly he did just a crap ton of kneel downs. Yeah, the the, the victory formation. So yeah. I, I need to see it on the field. But yes, uh, all indications from practice and from within the organization is that both Boyle and Love took steps forward over the course of this season. And to me, the key is going to be what we see from them next season if Boyle indeed remains a Green Bay Packer. I don't think there's much of a chance that he will, but we'll see. The other thing with Luke Getze is that he he's a guy whose name you hear all the time. He clearly has stepped up and become a major leader um, for this Packers team. I, I think uh, LaFleur is leaning on him pretty heavily. You hear Rodgers, obviously, you know, his position coach. Rodgers talks about him endlessly, but yep. a lot of other guys mention him too. So we're getting into some dicier territory here. Here, th- this one to me is a, a big question mark. Justin Outen, tight ends coach. Yeah, that's you know. Here's the thing that when when you're looking to judge your tight ends coach, he certainly got the most out of Robert Tunyon. Yes, and yes. I don't know how much coaching Big Dog needs as a you know 107 year veteran of the NFL, but <laughs> uh, you know uh, certainly he he filled his role well. But to me, when you see some of the draft picks and street free agents who came in to the Packers lineup at tight end because they had a lot of injuries there. Sternberger missed time. DeGuara missed time. The fact that they were able to fit some of these guys in and get solid production from them speaks well of the tight ends coach. I think if Dominique Daphne hadn't come in and played such a key role in the offense toward the end of the season, I'd have more questions about it because Sternberger Certainly, uh, there's a lot of questions there about what we have in Sternberger. And I know he's missed a ton of time, but I just, you know, the playing time that he has had, he just has not impressed me very much. Deguara, I like a lot, but, you know, I don't know how much of that has been Justin Outen and how much of that is just from being a five-year starter at Cincinnati. So, uh, tentatively, I I, I like what Justin has been doing, but I kind of need more info. And certainly, you have to applaud what he got out of Robert Tunyon, who just, man, talk about a guy who came out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, we not to say we weren't aware of him, and we always liked Tunyon, but, um, you know, definitely, I don't think anybody saw him being this the major role in, on the offense that he was. Ben Sermon's running backs coach. Uh, it's a deep group. Uh, I think he got a lot out of, uh, certainly, you know, Jamal Williams did his thing. He had another 1,000-yard season for Aaron Jones. Uh, the development of A.J. Dillon was a, slowed a little bit by uh, injuries, and and he was on the COVID list, I think, for a week or two. But uh, overall, I think he got a lot out of it. Now, you may say, you know, as far as Swervin Irvin is concerned and, and, and the ho- a host of fullbacks, Maybe didn't get as much out of them, but I think overall, uh, certainly at least a satisfactory job right there. All right, we got uh, something else to look at here on offense. I believe that we should hand out our first ever No Huddle MVC, Most Valuable Coach Award. That would be to Adam Stenovich, offensive line coach. Absolutely. Because, oh my goodness, talk about just a swan song of a performance by a coach just masterfully well done you look at all of the injuries we had all year long on offensive line all these i mean i i, I would love to see a list of of all the 
um, players who took reps at offensive line because I, I think it's about 12 guys. And I mean, aside from like two games the whole season, which unfortunately were both against the Buccaneers. Yeah. My goodness, what a phenomenal performance. And Stenovich is another guy that I think we got to watch out for possibly getting a job elsewhere higher up. Uh, I have heard his name circulating a few times for head coach, which I think is probably way too early, but uh, offensive coordinator is something I've heard from him a few times. And if we don't lose Stenovich first, I think we might lose Luke Butkus, assistant offensive line coach. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, I no matter which of those two guys we have running that O-line group, uh, I love both of them. I have a lot of confidence in either one without the other guy, if need be. But, um, man, enjoy <laughs> enjoy having both of those guys there because I don't think that's going to last long at all. I, I don't either. And, look, as far as Stenovich goes, to me, yeah, coach of the year or assistant coach of the year by far. Not only when you think about the injuries, but think about how many players on that offensive line played multiple positions during this season. You had uh, Billy Turner playing both left tackle, right tackle, and guard. You had Elton Jenkins playing center, guard, both sides, tackle as well, both sides at some point during the season. Uh, You had uh, Rick Wagner playing right tackle, left tackle, and emergency blocking tight end in one game. You uh, You had a rookie Uh, in John Runyon Jr., fill in in at least three or four games and do a very good job uh, without training camp, without OTAs and all of that, no preseason games, the rookie comes in and does a good job. Uh, Lucas Patrick playing both guard positions over the course of the season at different times. The versatility of this group and the way that that Stenovich was able to plug guys in at different spots and get them ready to play often on very short notice. Uh, It's an all time great coaching job as far as assistants go. And he definitely deserves all the recognition that uh, he's earned. Well, flipping over to the defense, uh, since we don't need to talk about special teams, um, (laughs) let's save Patton for last because that's going to take a minute and we're starting to run out of time anyways. Um. Got a couple a couple question marks here. The biggest one for me is Kirk Olvadotti, inside linebackers coach. I, you know, we, we got some good stuff out of Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin this year. But, you know, looking at his full body of work last year and this year, and I mean, so Blake Martinez goes over and plays for the Giants. And if anybody has not been following along with that, Blake Martinez was one of the best linebackers in football this year clearly went right back up to where he was and then some back, you know, in his good years with us. I just, you know, looking at what we got out of Christian Kirksey and, and the inconsistency from Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin, Kirk Olvidati is a guy that personally, I'm not so sure we see him back. Um, you know, may, maybe they retain him, but to me, I, I think at, at the very least, 2021 has got to be kind of a probationary year for him. Like, look, you know, this is your last chance to kind of get this figured out, especially with, you know, Kamal Martin being the athletic freak that he is. And, you know, he spent a fifth round pick on him needs you to get some more production out of these guys. Uh, I mean, Oren Burks was far and away the worst graded player by PFF on the Packers roster. It wasn't close. Ty Summers was also in the bottom, like four players. 
Um, you know, we, we forget about these guys a lot, but you know, they were supposed to be bigger factors in our defense for a while until, you know, the, even the Packers had to give up, give up on them. And I would hate to see, you know, a similar tra- career trajectory for some of our other uh, talented prospects. So Olvidati to me, I uh, would not be sad to see him go. Yeah, it, it, to me, it's about 50-50 that he's back. And uh, yeah, it, you know, I guess the only thing you could say in his defense is what did he have to work with? Um, you know, I mean, we gave Christian Kirksey, what, eight million or more dollars a year to come play for us. Yeah. I mean, and he's, he's never been phenomenal, but I just did this. Well, Kirksey got better. As the year went on, he finished strong. He played well the last three or four games, including the playoffs, when his role changed. And I would have to say that Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes, their development and rapid development, uh, maybe it was born out of desperation, but they did a solid job. If it was a movie, you know, if you're going by your five-star rating, two and a half stars, maybe three, would be maximum in my mind. Jerry Gray, defensive backs coach, loved what we saw out of him. I'll put an asterisk and say that the cornerback play from everybody besides Jair, I think took a little bit of a step back this year compared to last year. But I think I'm willing to give him a bit of a mulligan on that and say, look, you know, would like to see that tidied up next year. But Jair was so good and the rest of the DBs were so good. Obviously, we want you back. Uh, Mike Smith, outside linebackers coach. Again, I'll say, you know, his guys did not have a, as good of a year this year as they did last year. I think Zadarius and Rashawn, you saw some um, regression. Uh, well, not so much regression from Rashawn, but a, maybe a slowed development. Definitely regression from Zadarius and a massive regression from Preston. Mike Smith, definitely a guy that I would bring back. Yeah. But I still, I still you know. I got to sit down and have a heart to heart with him and ask him, okay, what went wrong this year? How can I help you, um, you know, get them, get more out of these guys because you showed us last year that you're capable of doing that. We need to see that again, uh, going into this, into this next year. The other next big question mark for me is going to be Jerry Montgomery defensive line coach, because other than the last couple weeks of the, of the season and that Rams game, the D line was just atrocious this year, and the the one little bit of, of uh, you know grace that I'll throw his way is that we came into this season with an astonishing lack of depth at D line. Uh, I I could not believe how few guys we carried um, onto the final fifty three at D line, but still, and then we lost Kenny look, Clark in week one. I, I'm still looking at the overall performance of Kenny throughout the whole year and saying these last two years, Kenny Clark has been nowhere near as good as he was the previous two years. Um, His, you know, his rookie season wasn't great. These last two seasons have not been great. Um, Then, you know, he had his second and third year were just phenomenal for what we're paying Kenny Clark. We need a lot more out of him. Um, I I will say just Kenny Clark alone, um, you know, Absolutely not acceptable, the the level of production that we got from him over the course of the whole year. Yeah, no, I mean, he came on late. He was hurt early, missed, what, three, four games, took a while to get back into form. But by the time December rolled around, he was playing his best, uh, his best football. And again, you talk about the defensive line. 
we were going with a lot of plug-in guys. We bring in uh, a win and a snacks Harrison and you're, you're even guys like, uh, you know, Tyler Lancaster. These are, these are guys who are not highly regarded, you know, high draft picks, et cetera, et cetera. And other than Kenny Clark, uh, I can't say there was a lot to work with there on that roster. Well, let's get him some help in the draft this year, and uh, I am still kind of putting him on a little bit of a probationary tag here and saying, look, we need better this coming year. We're going to help. We're going to get you some more tools in the draft, but uh, we do need better. Absolutely. Mike, Mike Patton. Here's the big one. Mike Patton, you're, you're not going to find a guy on, the, on our coaching staff currently, now that Menengo's gone, who is more disliked by the fans than Mike Patton. So here, here's the question, not should we get rid of him, not can we do better. My big question with Mike Pettin, if we do move on from him here, are we looking at any kind of regression for the next couple of years? Obviously, long term, we could do better than Pettin, but in this Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl window that we have, can we afford to move on from Pettin here? Because, I mean, look at even Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio ran just one of the most terrifying defenses ever in Chicago, but not for his first couple of years. That was a pretty bad defense uh, that, uh, you know, he was rolling out the first couple of weeks or first couple of years. And, you know, part of that was that he inherited a not great defense. My question to you, Gil, because I know from talking to you that uh, you're ready to move on from Petten, but my big question is, is this something that uh, we might really regret for the next couple of years? Because clearly Pettin's defense, which, by the way, finished, uh, I believe, number nine overall on the, on the whole year. And if you look at it just over the, you know, down the stretch of the last five or six weeks of the regular season and the playoffs, I believe he had the uh, a top five defense in the league. Pettin clearly can get you there. And he is capable of rolling out a great defense at times and a horrible defense at other times. Is right now the right time to move on from Pettin? That is the toughest question. And I'll tell you something else. Leading up until this past Sunday against Tampa Bay, I really thought that he had earned a spot to come back. Uh, the defense finished stronger. He showed a little bit more flexibility. The Titans game in particular showed that when it was necessary, when he came up against a team that really based its offense more on the run game. He came out with different formations, different lineups, made the adjustments he needed to make. But, you know, that play at the end of the first half in that Buccaneers game, the, in the wrong coverage and then the poor execution by Kevin King, you cannot be in that coverage with six seconds left in the half from the 40-yard line you or 39-yard line. You cannot be... In that coverage, that is uh, a faux pas at the worst possible time, and it may very well have cost us a shot at the Super Bowl. That really took the air out of any possible growing enthusiasm I had for Mike Pettin at that moment. Whether we keep him or or move on from him, I think I'll be at peace either way. I know if we retain him, a lot of fans are going to absolutely melt down. I think I'm at peace either way. If we bring him back, I think there's a lot of good arguments for that. If we move on, I understand, and I will be excited about whoever we bring in. But uh, no question, it's a it's a tricky tricky uh, riddle to solve there. And, I, and I'm glad that uh, that's not my job. It's Matt Lafleur. So. <laughs> 
definitely hoping that he he does the right thing. Okay, we have our debate question for this week. Fans, remember, uh, every week go on over to Twitter, at JJ Leahy, L-A-H-E-Y, or at Gil Packers. We both pin a poll to the top of our profile that will let you vote every week on who you think wins the debate. And last week, we debated, as I said, what was Aaron Rodgers' best year ever? Was it 2011 or 2020? 2021? Or I should say 2020 is the answer that won, <laughs> not 2021. <laughs> 2020 is the answer that won, so uh, thank you all for picking the correct answer, which of course is me, and I appreciate that. All right, so this week, Gil, you got one unrestricted free agent that you can bring back for the Packers. Who are you bringing back? To me, I have to go with Corey Lindsley, Mm. mostly for this reason. Offensive line is good, Uh, one of the best. We talked about the versatility and how well they played. Lindsley is coming off his best season more than any other position on the field. I think the offensive line needs cohesiveness to be successful. Continuity is more important there than maybe any other spot on the field. Lindsley also calls the signals for the offensive line. He's experienced. He's all pro this year and would have been pro bowl if he wasn't injured when the final voting took place. The only thing is, you know, he's turning 30 and the Packers rarely bring back 30 plus year old linemen. Uh, although they made an exception for David Bakhtieri, I, I would really want to bring back Corey Lindsley. If I had a choice of one unrestricted free agent who is uh, potentially heading out this off season. Yeah. I, I certainly understand the appeal, and Corey Lindsay is definitely one of the best players on our offense currently. And that's my big beef is that he is getting up there in age, and I just don't know how much longer he's gonna he's gonna be able to keep putting out that production. Watching AJ Dillon just bulldoze players this year, and looking at that, you know, Jamal Williams kind of plays the same role as AJ Dillon. I'm not sure Jamal is the guy that I want back. I think I would go with Aaron Jones. Now, I don't want to pay him top dollar. Uh, certainly, you know, don't want to get him into a real long-term contract. But I think that Gutekunst and Russ Ball need to do everything in their power and sweet-talk him and, and talk him into a, a deal that the team can actually manage because I'm looking at that thunder and lightning duo of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon just pounding the rock all year. I don't know that there's a defense out there that can slow those guys down and take away Aaron Rodgers and his lethal passing attack. I think that Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are such a better fit than Aaron Jones and Jamal ever have been. I I just don't see any way that you slow that offense down. So to me, if you can get him on a good, workable uh, contract that isn't going to hamstring you, Aaron Jones is my guy. Everybody head on over to Twitter, at J.J. Leahy. At Gil Packers, both of us are going to pin the poll, so you can go to either one. Make sure you follow both of us and uh, vote on who you think is the better answer, Corey Lindsley or Aaron Jones. And we will be right back here next week to uh, tell you who won and take on another fun debate topic. Alrighty, that's it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. And remember, you can send us an email at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! 
You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Dot com.